Welcome to Education Today, where we'll explore what is possible in education today by covering everything from cool tech to sound pedagogy infused with teacher stories, sprinkled with a little fun, and filled with inspiration from around the globe. I'm your host, Scott Nunes, and this is Education Today. Welcome to Education Today. I'm thrilled to share with you Stephanie Howell, a educator from Pinkerington Schools since 2014. She's currently the Middle School Instructional Technology Coordinator. Stephanie has spoken at conferences such as PLSD, Innovation Conference, ISTE, ITIP, and OETC and her most recent achievements are being a part of the team named ISTE's Distinguished District, WOSU Leadership Award. She's a Google Innovator and PLSD's Innovative Leader Award. She also has a Master's in Curriculum and Instruction and Educational Leadership. Wow, Stephanie, welcome to the show. So good to have you. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And I want to make sure everybody follows you on Twitter at Mrs. Howell24. Um, how's everything going right now in your neck of the woods? Uh, everything's going pretty good. Um, so our teachers were done with school last Friday. So it was in the like May 25th. I don't even know what day it is today with COVID. Um, But their last day was Friday and it was crazy. I mean, as a tech coach coordinator, you were, you know, probably super busy. People wanted professional development as soon as they could get it, even though they might have been ignoring you for a couple of years, those teachers that, you know, (laughs) refused to latch on. And now it's starting to slow down, which I needed because it was a lot. Um, I have a little one at home, so trying to raise him and then daycares were closed. Nobody wants to watch anybody during COVID. So it was me, him, and I was trying to work and it was fun. It was a lot of balance and learning that digital wellness, which is something that I personally need to learn. Yes, I find myself still learning that balance. It's totally different. Uh, The needs of the job and the needs of the home really shift day by day, hour by hour sometimes. (laughs) Um, You really have to be so flexible as an educator right now. Uh, Where are you based out of? And uh, you did mention your current role as an instructional tech coordinator. What's that like? So Before COVID, my job looked very different than what it does now. Um, But before COVID, I would have meetings, you know, on Monday and Friday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I was in classrooms helping teachers. So that looked very different depending on the day. I could be co-teaching with a teacher. I could be modeling and showing them different ways to use technology in the classroom. We do focus on blended learning. So that was another area that I would help teachers with. But after COVID, you had to change your job role. And so it was more of having a Google Meet open and people would hop on all day. And I just kind of did office hours and would chat with people about like, 
problem solving different things that they were thinking about. Um, the first week, it was a lot of how do you even use Google Meet? And then it was really exciting to see them move from like Google Meet to like, okay, I want to try using Flipgrid. How do I incorporate that into my classroom? I want to try using, you know, Padlet. I want to try doing calendar appointment slots so I can meet one-on-one with my students to give them that feedback in person, but it's more meaningful because it's one-on-one. So changing it from here's the tool at the beginning of COVID and how do I use it to more meaningful conversations of, I know the tool now, how do I now use it effectively? Right. We did a lot of the same in our district. And I love that you mentioned Google Meet. Uh, I think it's a great tool. We don't use that one. I've heard that it has really good metrics on the back end. Um, just like being able to check to see who's attended and things like that and for how long. And I think that would be really beneficial. We use Teams, which works great, but has at times been a little bit behind the curve of Google Meet and Zoom, like with the tiles. But now it has those features and I'm glad it's hard. We had to kind of pick a tool and stick with it. And that was the one we chose. And I'm used to it now. So it works. And I think even though some can have features that you prefer more than others, just picking a tool sometimes and sticking with it uh, is really beneficial having that consistency rather than, you know, um, going all over the place like, okay, for this one, we're doing a Zoom, this one, it's a Google Meet, this one, uh, it's a Teams call. Um, it's good to have that consistency. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, at the beginning of COVID, everybody was having issues because I don't think companies were ready for the amount of volume. Like I know for no. Google, they were making so many updates. Like, I don't know if that's the same with Microsoft because I'm not yes. really a Microsoft person, but I know with like Google, they were like, okay, you can do this now you can do. And it was going so quickly. So it was so difficult to communicate with teachers because I'm like, they need to know this information, but it's going to change in three days. So what do you communicate? Like, you know, and it was just like, here's one thing, but it's going to change in three days and they're going to add it to Google Classroom, but it's not pushed out yet. So (laughs) Um, I know one thing that happened was there was a feature, a background blur, and um, there was an option to change your background like in Zoom. And with that one, some people had the feature initially and other people did not. It took a little while for everybody to have it. I I think on our end, maybe about two to three days for everyone in the district to have that. And I don't know if that's just an update on their computer or an update internally, but that was just interesting. And that's not a big thing. It didn't like disrupt the flow of meetings or anything but there were some people using this nice cool feature and uh others that couldn't do it so uh that was interesting how has the coronavirus and this time of the pandemic impacted what you do in education do you find yourself busier now than ever yeah i find myself way busier because everybody needed my help Um, And they wanted it as quickly as they could. I mean, everybody was so kind. But when you're in this situation, you have to think as quickly as you can just because things are changing rapidly and quickly. 
I also feel like it took education and moved it up like 15 years where I think we need to be because there was a lot of districts around us that they weren't one-to-one. They didn't have Chromebooks. They, they were doing, you know, paper packets. And then we realized, oh, this coronavirus is going to last longer than two weeks. And so the other districts around us were coming to us and asking like questions and asking like, what's our next steps? Because we've been one-to-one for like four years. So we kind of understood and thank goodness we were because my teachers know, you know, Google pretty well. Um, There's a couple that refused to learn, but they, they jumped in right away. And I think it's just scary to me, like knowing outside of my district, because my district is amazing. Like I love the innovation that we're doing. Um, My boss is so supportive. His name is Brian Seymour, and he will go over and above and fight for education to transform it for the better. Um, But there's other districts around us that that wasn't a focus and they really struggled. So they were like pushing the Chromebooks out because they realized, oh, two weeks, we're going to do one week for spring break. And then the second week, we'll do paper packets. It won't be that bad. It's just a week. And then we'll be back from the COVID, you know, virus, like everything's going to be good. And then we were out another month. And then, you know, it just kept happening until the end of the school year. And so those districts had to buy devices and hand them out to their students, um, which is just insane to me. And it just makes you acknowledge that gap that the entire world has, which is kind of scary. Yeah, and I know in my area, there were shortages for a time. I don't know if that's still the case, but not everyone could get their hands on those extra devices when they needed them. We were uh, blessed to have already had them. We were going to roll out a bunch in the fall, and it was part of a five-year initiative that we fast-tracked. And then we had a bunch in Chrome carts that were ready to go. We just had to kind of... uh, re-image and repurpose them and get them in the student's hands and it worked out it's crazy I don't even know how we did it honestly it really was a community effort it was definitely you know the teachers the techs the admin uh, all the way from the top down but really community members too just giving us some grace and getting the training on their end too. Um, Did you offer any trainings for students and parents? Uh, So luckily, since we were one-to-one, a lot of our students knew what was expected. um, And they knew like how the teacher set up their Google Classroom, how the teacher, you know, used different products. Because we told our teachers, don't use anything new unless like you absolutely have to use what the kids know. And then as we get into remote learning, we'll explain then. But if there was something, teachers would meet with the student through Google Meet. Um, That was probably the biggest training that the kids had to have was that Google Meet. And then parents, it was a lot of the teachers communicating with them. And that's kind of an area where we showed weakness in was a lot of our parents didn't understand Google Classroom. And a lot of the weaknesses, you know, come up with remote learning. If you don't provide enough clarity to students and you don't right. give them enough directions, that's going to show right now because that's the only way kids are going to be able to watch your directions, either if it's by video or in Google Classroom written. So a lot of my teachers got better at clarity, which I think is a big, big pro because if kids don't know what they're expected to do, that's a problem. 
And then this summer, we're going to actually be working on like a parent university. Um, it's kind of a initiative that we've had in the district and it's just for anything. So like we have a college and career night and that's under our parent university. And so part of this, we're thinking about like, how do we train on Google Classroom? How do we train on how do you access Google Classroom with your child sitting there? What type of questions do you prompt them when you're sitting next to your child? Um, and just thinking about different ways that we can promote, like, this is how you use this. This is how you sign into this. A lot of our parents, I don't know if they have a Google account. So that might be our first step mm -hmm. since we are a Google district. Like, you need to create a Google account and this is how you do it. And then just going over all the different basics of like, this is how you can support your child. So yes, that is in the works, but weaknesses definitely showed <laughs> during this time. <laughs> right. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It, it really highlights an area where a district needs to grow. And to be honest, we have those areas too locally. And I would say our weakness is the same as yours. We realized, oh, you know what? We need more parent resources. We need more training for them as well. And so that's something that we're working on as well. And we rolled out a bunch of stuff. We rolled out a bunch of um, like one-on-one -on -one trainings like they could call and get help. We had office hours, things like that. And we already had a bunch of resources, but we realized, okay, we need to update some of these. We need to make them more extensive, especially for our LMS. We use Schoology, so uh, we need to update and broaden those videos. And I love that term you use, the parent university. I think that's such a great term because it really is like that experience Uh I think that's great that you're doing that and we're doing that as well. We'll have some courses on our LMS uh, that students and parents can do on top of videos and additional links. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. I think by the end of this month in June, we're going to have that. Um, what is a workflow or productivity pro tip you have during this time? How are you staying on top of everything? So Google Calendar is my go-to workflow tool that I use even without remote learning. Um, it just lets me know where I'm supposed to be. I set up notifications. It lets me know 15 minutes before my next activity. And I just have to look in my email and I go, okay, that's where I'm supposed to be. So keeping that up to date, I do color code it because I'm in three different buildings. So I'll put like one building in one color, another building. So then I can look quickly to know if I need drive time. And then um, I also like having Google Keep in there. So that way I can write like a to-do list and just check it off. Um, so that's probably my favorite. Yeah, Google Keep is really cool. That's something I need to investigate further. Uh, I have a friend that uses Google Keep and uses some like geo features in there. Like mm -hmm. where when she drives by the grocery store, it'll ping her and let her know, oh, you need like toilet paper or bread when you drive by Costco or something like that. So uh, that would be so useful. I I need to use it for that. I know it's there. Uh, um, my buddy Matthew uses it all the time, uh, but I love the calendar. It, it's really nice. In fact, I was thinking of getting one of those smart refrigerators. We're in the market for a new fridge and 
I thought about getting one of the new ones with the smart screen display on there and I could display my calendar because I've been getting so busy. It's harder for my wife to know when I have something going on like the podcast or I'm mm-hmm. running a training or a webinar. And I thought, you know what? Kind of like the old school calendar on the fridge. Uh, I could just display my calendar digitally and she could see that her and the kids and know kind of what's going on. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And shifting gears slightly, I wanted to talk about social media a little bit during this time. How active have you been? Have you been more or less active during this time? I would say more um, just because a lot of us Google innovators from different cohorts kind of came together during I want to say December, and we kind of created like a new PLN cohort. And that's how we communicate is through Twitter DM. And if you don't have a personal learning network, you really need to find your people because they have helped me grow so much. And these people are from all around the world. So it's not even just the United States. There's people from the UK. Um, There's people, you know, all around the world. And this chat is like crazy. Like you'll wake up to a hundred messages because everybody's somewhere awake because, you know, people in Australia, they have different time zones than us. Um, so there's always a message. Someone's always on, which I just love. And I feel like I've been busier since December with this group, but it's been so good. Um, and then some of them like were in China. So they knew ahead of time, like, oh, this is what we're doing with COVID. This is, you know, the plan. This is how long we've been out. This mm-hmm. is how we're using Google Meet. This is how we're using this. And we put everything in one place, which was like their biggest tip for me. And so taking all of their trial and errors and using that towards our district really helped me communicate with teachers. Like I have a friend that's already gone through this, so we're not going to make the same mistake as them. We're going to just do this first (laughs) and hopefully it works like they said it did, you know? (laughs) Right. Uh, The power of the PLN, especially during this time uh, has really helped me as well. And I like that you brought up the global aspect. It's really neat to kind of have these boots on the ground and really get real time information from real people, not just this kind of obscure news aspect, but really having that that personal touch to the information that you're getting. Uh, There's really nothing like it. Who are some people or hashtags that we should follow right now? Um, so my favorite one is hashtags because I think you're stronger as a, more of a group rather than just with an individual because, I mean, I definitely have weaknesses. So finding those people that fill those weaknesses with my strengths. Um, so we, a group of us, we just started Global Gag. So Gag is Google Educator Groups, and they are different local communities around the world. And so we kind of created this global gag. So taking all the local leaders and putting them into one group and supporting educators. So some really amazing professional learning has come out of this group. We have the level one boot camp coming up and it's free. The only thing you would have to pay for is grad credit in the test if you wanted to take it. However, if you just want to learn, it's completely free and it's going to be over three Fridays. Um, we've had John Carippo on talking about edgy protocols, which has been really beneficial. Nice. I love him. 
uh, Georgina has been leading sessions about how to start a local gag because we've got a ton of questions about just like, how do you start a Google educator group? There's not one in my area. I don't know anybody. I've never done this. And so she just did a five part series about how to start one. And so just growing that community with Google educator groups to make it, you know, a smaller place by making it global. So adding, you know, Ohio's GEG, California's GEG, Texas, they have a GEG. So just bringing all of those communities together to one to all benefit from that PD because I think we're stronger as a community. And then I'm a huge fan of Matt Miller. So of course, Ditch Book. Yes. Um, and then just our school hashtag. I just love looking at our school hashtag. It's PLSD Proud. And just searching through um, that hashtag and celebrating with teachers, seeing all their pictures and successes that they always want to post. I think that's a pro tip too for sites and district. Uh, don't only have a social media presence, but share your school culture by developing your own school hashtag. I went to a session in the spring and they talked about that. And I think that's so important because it, it really shows what you're doing. Like, um, you know, kind of like your parent university, I could see that being a hashtag, right? That's something where mm -hmm. you can systematically see a certain type of activity from an organization. So I really like the use of hashtags. And you're right, with the use of hashtags, you're going a little bit broader and you're really gaining this community aspect. If you had to highlight some individuals, um, who would they be on social media right now? Um, so Abid Patel, he pushes me to my thinking. He is probably like one of my best friends in ed tech. He is um, on the other side of education though. He is from the UK. And he's a um, IT director. So he is like the informational technology side of things. And he just really pushes my thinking like, I want this to work, but it doesn't. And he's like, this is why. And I needed that why before going to like my IT team. And there's been a disconnect, I feel like, in education between IT people and the instructional technology people. Because you want to do things and your IT person is like, no, you, we can't do that. You know, and it's sometimes hard to understand both sides. So he keeps me balanced <laughs> with knowing, okay, this is why we have to do this. This is why it won't work, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and then Luis, he is another friend of mine. He has, he is amazing at Google Sheets. So anytime I need help with Google Sheets, I always go to Luis. Um, and then Stephanie Rostein, she's from California and she just thinks like I do, but <laughs> she's always like a step head ahead of me sometimes. So like, she'll be like, oh yeah, we did this with Google me and we created this document. You can steal it. So I feel like I steal a ton of templates just from her and like her ideas that she has and then following global gag. So that's the organization I was talking about earlier with the hashtag global gag. And that's just the group where you'll get all notifications about everything that we're doing. And Abed, Luis and Stephanie, we're all in that global gag group leading it. And there's like 40 other leaders. So it is the best professional development I've seen for free. Um, and I feel a little biased since I am helping lead that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I'll have to follow more closely. In fact, just this week, uh, I came across it. I don't know where I've been or what I've been 
doing on social media, I know it's definitely shifted. I've gone more to DMs than public posts. Mm -hmm. During this time, I, I feel a little overloaded. Sometimes there is a lot of professional development out there and sharing of resources. And that's great. But uh, I'm finding that I need more one-on-one -on -one conversation like this. So I'm filling my bucket, but in a different way, rather than casting the net so wide, I'm really going more direct, like, oh, I need this, or I need this, right? Haven't spoken with this person in a while. Let me reach out directly. Or right now with everything going on with the protests, I'm reaching out to people uh, in key areas and just finding out what's going on, making sure they're okay, making sure uh, my friends of color are okay right now too. That's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's just weighed on me mm -hmm. so, so much. Um, and there were some um, interesting events uh, <laughs> that happened fairly close to me within the last week or so. So uh, it hits even harder, right? It, it mm -hmm. literally hits home um, with that. I, I know that's a little tangential, but I we are, you know, affected by that right now. As, as a nation, uh, it affects everybody. Um, and, you know, it's really sad what, what happened. And we definitely need some systematic uh change and social media is definitely one proponent for that um on top of social media what are some ed tech tools that you're in love with right now so my favorite is google slides because you can do anything i feel like with google slides you can change the layout you can add different graphics it's so easy to just do anything and i prefer google slides over google draw um, my next one is WeVideo. I feel like creating video, especially during this time, has been really important. But not only WeVideo, um, the video aspect of it, but also creating podcasts. So we've got, you know, kids creating these podcasts, and now they just added that GIF feature. And GIFs are becoming, you know, really popular in education. So it's just nice that WeVideo is adapting, and they created, like, three ways for kids to start creating rather than just consuming, which, yeah, Teachers can make videos with video, but I just love watching the kids create videos, podcasts, and their gifts. Um, and then Twitter, because that's where I steal all my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, myself included. And how do you envision the landscape of education changing and evolving over the next several years? Well, I definitely think with COVID, we've gone very quickly into that. So being, you know, one-to-one -one with technology, the teacher changing her role or his role and not the like being in the classroom, but not leading the learning, like having the kids discover using a lot of blended learning strategies. So right now, a lot of our blended learning, we've got four stations. Um, we've got our digital content. We have the teacher-led station. We also have the... Um, four C's areas so students can work on those mm -hmm. different skills. And then we have the independent. So the students might be practicing what they learned from that teacher station. And I would really love to see it from go from those four to more of a personal learning experience for those students. So teachers looking at data and deciding what way do I need to go with my instruction to make this personalized for that kid? 
um, which is a very difficult task, but I know we're getting very close to getting there. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so rewarding when you help someone with differentiated learning and you meet them where they are and you scaffold material for them and you help them learn and grow in a way that is best suited for them. I just had a breakthrough at the very end with the student and it just warmed my heart. Uh, It's something I'll really treasure. You know, like Rick Warmerly says, it doesn't really matter when it happens, if it's, you know, right away at the beginning or at the end, it's, you know, the fact that you're providing that opportunity and that it happens. I stretched myself quite a bit with the student, but uh, it paid dividends. The student really took the opportunities given to them and excelled and really upped their grade at the end. And I was so proud of them and they, they worked hard and uh, they were rewarded for, their valiant efforts. Uh, what's a piece of advice um, that you could give people moving forward? So my favorite quote that I've ever received is, remember what you said in that interview chair? And that was by Jimmy Casas. And he is amazing if you've never seen him speak, but he talks about, remember what you said in that interview chair? Because you probably, when you're complaining in that teacher's lounge about a student in that interview chair, you probably said you're going to fight for all students. And that includes that one student that you're complaining Mm -hmm. about. And so that just replays in my mind constantly, like go back to why you're in education and what you need to do to get better. And so just keep going back to that interview chair and remember, why did you get into education and stop complaining about that kid? I mean, we all do it, but just go back and remember like, what is my passion? And every day just say, I'm go- it's going to be a brand new day and we're going to make it through. Because after COVID, I am concerned about the social emotional state of a lot of our students. You know, they've been Same. at home for months, isolated. <laughs> um, I know with isolation yeah. for me, it's not good. So imagine a fifth or sixth grader that has been isolated and they might not have a device to, like to communicate with friends. And so just thinking about all of those different things, and we don't know the family life for some of these kids and school's a safe spot for a lot, a lot of students. And so just give a little extra patience this fall. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I know my daughter, uh, she's six and she's been struggling with not being able to see her best friend and, um, her parents are quite busy and, um, you know, haven't hopped on a Zoom call or anything like that. So that's been really challenging for her to not be able to see her friend. Uh, you know, even if we were able to do the Zoom call, it's definitely not a true replacement for an in-person, you know, up-close human interaction. There's just something about being close to people. And I was really hoping we'd come together and I'm still really hopeful with everything else going on that we can um, come together and find some commonality because uh, we need each other now more than ever. We can really benefit from one another. Um, And speaking of pivotal moments, 
what has been a pivotal moment in your career, either a higher or low point? Uh, my most pivotal, pivotal moment was Google Innovator Academy. Um, it definitely changed me to be a better educator. Before Google Innovator, I was very shy. Um, and then going through that academy and the process and the people I've met has really boosted my confidence. And also, I mean, there's things that I wouldn't have done without the academy because like starting a podcast and that kind of stuff with Lance Key. I didn't know Lance before the academy. So if I didn't go to the academy, I wouldn't have met Lance because he's from Tennessee. And so just the connections that I made from the Google Innovator Academy have really benefited me. And that has just changed my career because being able to collaborate with people outside of your district, you get to see different perspectives and different ways that they solve problems. And it opens your eye up to outside of your own little world. <laughs> yeah. Talk about your podcasting experience. Where, where can people listen at? Um, so we started a podcast about a year ago, and it is called Get Inspired and Innovate. And we talk about Google Innovator projects. Um, sometimes we'll have trainers on. It's mostly about Google, though. And then we have Google Innovators on. And it, through the Google Innovator process, you have to have a project. And it takes a year long. So we're meeting with people that have completed the process. And they're talking about their project and what it looks like now and how it's transformed education. And we're talking to two people that are kind of at the beginning stages of their project. So it's been a really fun podcast to just talk to people and hear their passions and what gets them excited about education. Well, I'm going to have to hit you up for more info on that and definitely have to listen more closely because uh, as of right now, I'm a level two certified educator, but I'm working on getting um the uh, um it's escaping me right now like the official term for the the trainer but i want to mm -hmm. be a google certified trainer and then eventually would like to do the innovator because i love the community there's so many people locally that are doing great things we have one of the largest um concentrations of Google innovators near where I'm at in the Central Valley of California. And they're all doing great things. And I'd love to be a part of that community on a deeper level. And I've really benefited from being part of the Microsoft uh, innovative educator community. And I just want to expand that, especially since my district uses both sets of tools. I have to be well-versed in <laughs> both. So rather than deciding on one or the other like uh there's a lot here which is sometimes uh, a good thing go it's a lot but yeah. it's good <laughs> it you know it really is um and so for some things we we maybe go a little bit more on the google side like google docs google sheets google slides i you mentioned slides earlier i love slides i i really do and then um you know, for administrative stuff and for storing items, we use uh, Microsoft, we use Teams, we use OneNote a bunch, uh, we use um, PowerPoint a lot, actually, and we're, we're doing that more and more. Even though we use Google Slides for presenting, we also use PowerPoint for a lot of stuff, and then we use uh, Microsoft 
uh, stream to record our webinars and to upload things to YouTube um, for our trainings. That's been really nice. Um, yeah, you definitely the, need to apply. Mm -hmm. You're the perfect I, I candidate. I, I need to come up with that that idea. I keep problem. being told, like, I need to do it uh, by Don't some of my friends. So I problem. need to bite the bullet. That's the hardest thing for me. I'm such like a problem solver. And that's just the role of an instructional technology coordinator is like, oh, I got to solve problems. But for the academy, do not solve your problem until after you get there. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take that pro tip and keep that in mind. Yes. <laughs> and what are some content creation sources you can recommend, like a book, podcast, or YouTube? Uh, so my favorite podcast is Google Teacher Tribe. I get so many different ideas from Matt and Casey. Um, my second YouTube, it's pretty new. It's called Short and Sweet by Darren White and Ben Moore. There are two people from the UK and they always teach me something that I didn't know. And they are hilarious together. So I just love their YouTube channel and it's every Thursday. So it's consistent. And then my favorite book is Start With Why. It takes you back to like, why are you in education? You know, why are you doing what you do? And really looking at your why and how to use that to motivate. No, that book is really revolutionary. We've used it at our site as part of a book study. It's by Simon Sinek. And he's got some great um, stuff on ted ed as well so check that out he's got some ted talks um and then you can check out the book it's a really easy read i highly recommend it too and that really got me going early on in my career so i'm appreciative of that book i want to thank you so much for being on today stephanie it's been great to catch up uh we met face-to-face -face briefly at ISTE, and I've been loving just following what you're doing on social media throughout and can't wait to connect in person sometime soon. Yeah, I'm very glad that we did connect. I I just remember that day because Chris Nessie was there, and it was just one of the best days ever. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> it was so fun. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, he kind of just threw us on to his <laughs> podcast is is a really neat way of doing it uh i had a lot of fun too so i look forward to doing that again sometime soon yeah we'll have to meet up at the next isti yeah thank you for listening to education today it is my pleasure to share with you all let's stay connected on twitter you can find me at Mr. Noon's Teach. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the player of your choice and give Education Today a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Remember everyone, out here in this field of education, it's grind time.